You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you, dear Lord, that you love us. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to be very real in this place. Father, we thank you that you love and care about us, that, Lord, we can sing the glory and the majesty of a, of a sovereign God who loves us in a way that is beyond anything we could imagine. And we just pray now, dear Lord, that as you speak to our hearts, that we would be sensitive, Lord, to what you want to say in us and what you will later say through us. We pray, dear Lord, that you would cleanse, forgive, use us, dear Lord, whether we are the messenger or whether we are receiving this message. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to understand something. When it comes to names, a name is a serious thing. And I think in our day, it's kind of, we, we've gotten kind of flipping about it. And when you look at this scripture, when you look at a Jewish family, you look at Hebrew people, when they were naming their children, just like here, Zechariah and Elizabeth, as they were naming John the Baptist, this was a serious thing. It is a serious thing in scripture And more often than not, it was something that was prayed about and something that a family would come together, a couple would come together, and in most cases, that name would be chosen by God. Now, to the Jewish family and to an Israelite family, they understood this, that a name reflected God's bent in the life of their child. In other words, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, it says this, train up a child in the... In the way. That word there, derek, in the Hebrew means a journey. It means way. It means road. It means bent. So what a Jew would do is they would consult God. They would say, now God, you're giving us a baby and we want to know what you want to name this child. God was involved in that process because God was bending that child toward a certain way, and they wanted that name to reflect that bent. And that's critical. A name reflects God's call, God's bend in your child, and so it's important. Now, here's a great prayer. Parent, if you're expecting, we've had a lot of new parents, we've got a lot of new parents coming on. A good prayer is this, God, what name will reflect your call on his or her life? God, what name will reflect his or her call on this life? In other words, God, what is your bent? I had a nurse tell me this years ago, and and as far as I knew it was the truth. They were uh, going in to fill out the birth certificate, the birth information, a newborn baby. They walked into the room and they asked this mother, they said, what is the name of the baby? And she said, Pajima. Pajima, the nurse said, Pajima, I I don't understand. How do you spell it? The woman said, I don't know. She said, wait a minute. She took a Sears catalog and opened it up to pajamas and said, there it is right there. Now you may laugh, but that lets you know that maybe it wasn't very serious to her. 
You see, a name in, a, in the Jewish culture was a critical thing. So I want to I talk to expectant parents, but I also want to talk to you today so that maybe you'll understand a little bit about your name, just like birth order. When you and I are choosing a name, whether we're choosing a name for our children, or if you decide to change your name, then you need to first of all understand this, and I need to understand this, that that choosing should be bathed in prayer. If you're a young expectant parent, you want to bathe that decision in prayer. You want to be in consultation with the potter. I don't mean Harry Potter. I mean Jeremiah chapter 18, the potter, the creator, the the sustainer. You want to be in contact with God. You want God to give His input into that name, whatever that name may be. Suppose you're having a child and you go up to a stranger and you look at them and say, what do you think would be a good name for a child? And he says, well, what are you having? Well, we're having a girl. Well, have you ever thought about Trixie? You see, you would know automatically that this stranger cared nothing about what that name was. You see, the truth of the matter is, wouldn't you want someone who loved, who cared about that child? Wouldn't you want, you wouldn't, well, let's face it, you wouldn't want anyone to come along and name your child. Listen, God doesn't want either. You see, you and I need to understand something today if you're going to have a baby. You need to understand this. Today, if you have a new child, today, if you have children, the Bible says that those children are God's. So doesn't it make sense that children should be named and when we're expecting, shouldn't it be that God is involved in that decision? You see, children are on loan to you and I for a short time. You know, I looked at this uh, Psalm 139, which is the prayer or is the, is the picture of what's going on in the womb where the Psalm 139 says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But I thought about a dad and mom and I wrote this prayer. Maybe a dad and mom should pray these words over the womb of an unborn child. Heavenly Father, you are creating his or her inmost being. You are knit, knitting this child together in this womb. We praise you because this child is being fearfully and wonderfully made by your hands. Your works, O God, are wonderful. I know that full well. Our frames, mom and dad, our frames are not hidden from you, God. We were also made in the secret place. We were woven into the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw our unformed bodies. All our days are ordained by you. They are written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to you, how precious to us, O God, are the thoughts that we have of you. How vast is the sum of them. Were we to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand of all of the seashores. When we awake, you are still with us. You see, this thing of a name and a Jewish culture and the Jewish family was a serious thing and it was something that was sought out by God because their understanding was, God, you've given us this little bundle that you have made and you have bent a certain way. God, what's the best name? Some of us, there was no thought at all put into our name. And maybe your name doesn't reflect the bent that God has on your life. 
Remember this, we name what we love and what we have authority over. Now, you may not believe this, but I want you to, take, I want you to go all the way back to the Genesis chapter 1, and I want you to see this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, you think, well, I don't know, preacher. You know, I'm kind of half turned off. I don't know. You know, some of you look about like we started out last week with birth order. Well, I don't know if I really believe that. Hey, I could prove this right now, but I don't want to embarrass people. I've already proved this to my wife. She's a 100% believer. I could just, listen, I could give you the names of people in this congregation right now, and you would see similarities in their personalities. They don't know each other. They came from different parts of the country. They have nothing but their, 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 their personalities are similar. Why? Because there's something to this thing of names, just like birth order. Last week you didn't believe, and then before long you were coming up after the service. Man, I, I've been hearing people all week talking about birth order. Wow, I am a middle child. Wow, I am a firstborn. Hey, I am the lastborn. There's something to this. And in the Jewish culture, they understood how critical it was. You didn't have to talk to them about birth order. They understood how important the firstborn was, secondborn, middle child. So in this thing of name, this too is important. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, watch what God does. You see, we name what we have authority over. In chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God says to Adam he, and Eve, he's, He blessed them and He said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. All these young couples, let me tell you what God said, have babies and a lot of them. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now what God is saying to man from the very beginning, He's saying, listen, I want you to subdue the earth. What does that mean? It means bring, have dominion over it. Bring it under your authority. Now, to show you how serious God is about this, look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Just right there next to it. Genesis chapter 2, 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of that ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would what? He would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. You see, God was so serious about this thing. He said, listen, you're to have dominion. You are to subdue this creation that I've given you. And to prove this, God says, I'm going to let you name it. Now, ladies are going to get mad. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, a little bit farther on down. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. What does man do here? She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Uh-oh. We'll get into that later. But every wife knows this. A wife is to submit, and that word in the Greek means to come under the authority. And here we have man, not only naming creation, man is naming a woman. Why? Because God has given man this gift called woman. Now, later it would be a gift that would bite him, but we won't go into that either. 
He calls the woman, woman, because he wanted to be reminded that this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. He wanted to remember the who and the why of Eve. So a name is to be bathed in prayer. Secondly, a name projects, as we said a moment ago, ago, the name projects the future. I picked up a random book on names. In fact, it was the almanac of names. In there, at the very beginning, it had this quote. It was talking about how critical a name is. Now listen to this. Now this is a secular book. No Christian, no biblical affiliation at all. You will find, quote, you will find that while you choose the name for your son or daughter, he will grow into it and become it. Let me read that again. This is a secular book. You will find that while you choose the name for your child, your son or daughter, he or she will grow into it and will become it. Now listen to this statement. Name evolves into character traits. There was a child psychiatrist who had a a mother came. This mother came with a little boy. She sat down in the office and she said to the doctor, she said, there's no controlling him. He has trouble in school. He has trouble at, 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 at every place he goes. He's just endlessly a problem. He disrupts the classroom. He disrupts home. He disrupts every single place that he goes. Well, the doctor was sitting there with his legs crossed, just sitting there with the, with the information material, the biographical information. So he looked at the woman. He had not even looked at the material yet. He said, well, what's his name? She said, his name is Storm. Do you know what this child psychiatrist did? He, 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 literally, he took, the, he took the notebook, set it off to the side, and said, this session is finished. She said, what? She said, you haven't helped us. She said, we've got a problem here. He said, yes, ma'am, you do. And until you change that boy's name, don't come back to my office. You see, that son was reflecting the character by which that mother had placed by giving him that name. A name bends us. We become our name. And if you don't believe that, you look around this room. You would say, well, he looks like a Jerry. He looks like an Eric. He looks like a Jeff. She looks like a Sheila. You see, in essence, there's a lot of truth to this. So a name is to be bathed in prayer. A name projects the future. My parents nearly named me Bruce. Now see, you're laughing because I don't look like a Bruce. Whatever a Bruce looks like, I don't look like that. Years ago, years ago, David Nasser, David Nasser came to speak here. Now David Nasser is a is a very popular youth speaker. He traveled with Billy Graham. We were only able to get him here on a Sunday morning because our former youth man knew him. And he had been speaking that night at the Coliseum. That Sunday morning, David Nasser, this young man who came from Iran, was sharing his testimony. Now he had been he had spent a year traveling with Billy Graham. He's a prolific writer, speaker, and everything else. And we were just lucky to have him. Sheila and I were sitting right in there about where Anthony and his family are sitting. 
He was standing up here and he was sharing his testimony. And at a certain point, he said, in Birmingham, Alabama, as an Iranian kid, he was shooting basketball when a Samoan-looking big guy came up and began to talk to him about Christ. Well, Birmingham, Alabama, Samoan triggered something. Sheila and I both sat up. And he said this big guy began to talk, he'd come down and shoot basketball and he'd talk to us kids about Jesus. And he said, that man led me to Christ. He said his name was Larry No. Sheila and I were sitting there, we both looked up because we had already begun to kind of figure it out. We looked up and said, Larry No. And about that time, we were packed that Sunday morning. David Nasser noticed our behavior became so uh, demonstrative that he stopped in the middle, looked at us and said, do you know Larry? And I said, yes, we do. And Sheila and I both said, he doesn't go by Larry anymore. His name is Talon. David Nassar stops in the middle and says, Talon? So we enter a conversation from the pew to the pulpit. We said, yes, his mother was, his mother was Korean. She met, an, she met an American, got involved with an American soldier. I'm not sure, but I think something happened. But anyway, his dad left him, and uh, when his mom brought him to the United States, she just figured out, well, what's a good American name? We'll call him Larry. It never fit. Finally, one day he was telling his father-in-law, Steve Taylor, who's also spoken at this church here, who is a pastor of First Baptist Albuquerque, First Baptist Duran, Oklahoma, and who now pastors a church there in Texas. He told his father-in-law, he said, I don't like the name Larry because it was just tagged onto me because it was an American name. And he looked at his father-in-law who has Indian background and he said, what do you think I am? And his father-in-law looked at him and said, you look like a talon to me. You look like the talons of an eagle. Why don't you call yourself talon? He went and legally changed his name and for the last 15 probably years he's been, he goes by the name of talon. No. And there may be some of you that you think as you look at your name, you think that name does not represent me. Moses, the name Moses means drawn from the water. A reminder of his past. Though it was Pharaoh's daughter that would tag that name on him, it would mean everything because one of the greatest moments in all of the history of the Israelite nation was when Moses stood before a wall of water and separated it by the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit on his life. Moses would not go into the promised land because God told him to touch the rock and he struck it. Water was intricately involved in every part of Moses' life, so it was appropriate that he should be named Moses. But what about you? Are you happy with your name? A name is to be bathed in prayer. A name reflects God's bent on our life. Thirdly, a name, we should educate our children about their names. When you name a child, it's a serious thing. They should know what their name means. Years ago, Sheila and I were members of First Baptist Church, Kenner, Louisiana. For about 11 or 12 years, that church led the state of Louisiana in baptisms. It was pastored by Dr. Ron Herod. He had three kids, or has three kids. His wife's name was Emily. 
Dr. Ron Herod and Emily had such a profound impact on our lives. He taught me so much about the church, more than seminary would ever teach. I am thankful to this day for Dr. Ron Herod. And one of the ways that Sheila and I, we looked, and when she was pregnant with our second child, we looked at the demeanor of this beautiful blonde-headed woman who had such class, such dignity, was such a woman of such integrity, the perfect picture of a pastor's wife. And we said, that's the name we want on our daughter. And we named Emily, Emily. You see, thought goes into it. The father sent his son to college, and the last thing he said is his son was leaving for college. He said, son, remember who you are, and remember whose you are. Boy, that's true, isn't it? Now, let me give you quickly, and we'll close in a moment. Let me give you some practical points on choosing a name. And you may say, well, I'm not even married yet, but let me give you something to think about. Because some of you young people, one day you're going to marry, and you're going to be pregnant, and you're going to be looking forward to that first child. And I want you to understand this. You need to bathe that decision in prayer, and you need to spend time understanding and asking God, God, what is the bent of this child? God, help us to find the name that reflects and resembles that bent. And God, thirdly, help us to educate our child accordingly. Practical points. Number one, listen to this. No one has a right to shorten, nickname, or change or alter your child's name. Grandparents have no right and should respect their child's authority and their right to name their own children. Grandparent, you have no right to intervene, alter, change, or do anything, nor does anybody else. Sometimes kids get tagged with a nickname from their peers that sticks with them because they don't have a backbone of a mom or dad who says to those friendships, No! You won't call them that. Or you won't play with them no more. No one has that right. I think it's a danger sometimes when we shorten biblical names. If you have a biblical name, there's a danger sometimes when we shorten a biblical name. I don't think Abraham should ever be called Abe. You may say, well, that's a strange thing. No, because Abraham is filled with meaning. And so here's that picture. I counseled a woman one time. You don't believe this. I counseled a woman one time who referred to her husband by his first and middle name. Okay? Now I need you to listen. Stay with me. I counseled a woman who had problems in her marriage, but her she used the first and middle name. I said, where did that come from? She said, I don't know. She said, but that's what his mama calls him. Quit doing that. You sound like his mama. Quit using his mama's name for him. You're not under obligation to name a child after family. Aunt Gertie may be all right, but you don't have to name her Gertie. Um, A lot of times children's names are shortened or abbreviated because younger siblings or children, their siblings alter the name because they can't say it correctly. That's about the silliest thing I've ever heard. But that happens a lot. 
Eric and Sarah have a little girl. Her name is Caroline. They call her, Eric, you call her what? Caroline. No one in this room has the right to ever refer to her as Carol. And if you do, you should be reprimanded and corrected. You see, that's the responsibility of every parent. Caleb, um, uh, Alicia and Ledger about to have a new baby next month in October. It's a little boy. They've already determined that that name will be Caleb. It's not K, it's not Lib, but it's Caleb. And Ethan needs to be taught how to say the name properly. In the South, we are the worst about nicknames. So here, a practical point. No one has a right to shorten, to nickname, or to change, or to alter your child's name. Not even a grandparent. And not even their siblings. Secondly, let me ask you this. Are you ruining a name or redeeming it? Have you ruined a name? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, parents are expecting a new baby. And they start talking about names. Well, what about, oh, oh, I had, there was a girl I knew in high school. Oh, she looked like a Pekingese dog. No, not that name. No, we can never name him that name because that guy was the meanest, honoriest fella. Man, I tell you, have you ruined a good name? You see, or are you redeeming it? Now, I don't have time to go to it, but in Philemon, this little small book between 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, and right before Hebrews is a little single chapter book called Philemon. Story, real quickly, is this. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul on behalf of a runaway slave named Onesimus. Okay, or Onesimus. Onesimus is a runaway slave who, who was owned by Philemon, but ran away from Philemon and robbed Philemon. Took a lot of stuff. I mean, he stole a lot from Philemon. He gets to Rome, he runs into the Apostle Paul, and he gets saved. Okay? And so Paul tells, he tells Onesimus, he needs to go back to his owner Philemon, and he needs to make retribution and make it right. So here, Philemon, here, here Onesimus is going back with this single chapter, this letter called what we call today as the book of Philemon. When he gets back and he gives it to Philemon, Philemon opens it and begins to read it. He's standing there looking at this man that's robbed him, who's come back now repentant and trying to make it right. Paul says in verse 11 of Philemon, he says, I know Onesimus has not been profitable. Now what's strange about that, the word Onesimus, the name means profitable. He says, I know he's not been profitable. In fact, I know he's been unprofitable. But I want you to know something. He's going to now start living up to his name. You see, the reality is is that you and I are either ruining a name or redeeming it. And if there's a name that has been ruined today, it's this name called... You want to guess? What name has been so ruined that we don't even want to call ourselves that anymore? Christian. 
I'm not talking about her name. I'm talking about the title that you and I wear as followers of Jesus Christ. The name has been so abused, mistreated, and has become so bad that for many of us today, we refer to ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ rather than this title Christian. Some in this room have so tore a biblical name up that I've heard some of these expectant parents say this, I would never name my child after that person. Now finally, in closing, and I'm very, very serious here. Have you thought about changing your name? You say, Brother Jeff, that's, 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 that's pretty big there. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, God was always changing names. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob, I meant uh, Jacob to Israel. Jesus would do it. Simon, you'll no longer be called Simon, I'll call you Peter. You'll no longer be Saul, I'll call you Paul. You see, God was always changing names because names sometimes did not reflect God's bent, God's call on somebody's life. My favorite is Jacob, whose name was turned to Israel in Genesis 32 after he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. But if you're thinking about changing your name, let me give you something you need to think very seriously about. It should be seriously guided by a holy God. Secondly, it is the mark of a new beginning. You may say, my name has a meaning that I don't like. My name was not bathed in prayer. My name does not reflect who I am. There is almost a continual identity crisis because this name in no way reflects who I am. If that be the case then it may be that God is calling you to change your name. And if God calls you to change your name, you may have to teach us as you're going through that process. It is your responsibility to not only teach us, but to correct us. You say, well, I've never heard that before. Maybe we need to hear it. And you may say, well, why change my name? Number one, your name has no meaning or a bad meaning. If you're named Padjama, you may want to rethink it. Number two, your name reflects something that you don't believe in. Your name may reflect alcohol. Your name may reflect something that you no longer believe in, and you have to change that name. I gave Sheila name after name after name. And I said, what one single person with this name is a godly spiritual person. Not one. A name is critical to you and I. It's our identity. It's partly who we are. Your name should reflect what you believe. Thirdly, if you can't spell your name and can't pronounce your name, it's time to change it. We run into children up and down this sidewalk who come in all the time who can't, they don't know how to pronounce their name, they don't know how to spell their name, and in essence they look at us helplessly and they'll say, my nickname is this. I think that's a mistake and I think it's the most clearly seen in the African American community. It's critical. Number four, you feel there's little hope of redeeming your name. If your name is Jezebel, then you may want to think seriously about changing it. 
Because I can guarantee you this much, that'll be a hard name to redeem. It's pretty well been taken care of. Number five, your name was shortened, especially a biblical name. If you've got a biblical name and it's been shortened, it may be time to stretch it back out there and give it God's intent. And then the last one is this. Your name is a nickname that is in no way conducive as to who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ and you're tired of it. Michael King, a young Baptist preacher, took a trip to the Holy Lands in 1940, I believe. Afterwards, Michael King went to Berlin. He was so moved by the great reformer, the great evangelical reformer, the great Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, that Michael King came home and he changed his name. He changed his name from Michael King to Martin Luther King. He changed his middle son, for all you middle-born, he changed his son's name to Martin Luther King Jr. And my friend, he changed the course of history. If a grown man made the decision so moved by a reformer that he not only wanted to be characterized by the, by the flavor and the tenacity and the integrity and the passion of Martin Luther that he would change his name, he at the age of 11, imagine Martin Luther King Jr. saying to his friends, no, that's not, my name is not Michael. My name is Martin Luther King. I'm sure Jacob, an old man, as he walked into the camp, corrected people over and over and over and over again. Don't call me Jacob. My name is Israel. Alexander the Great, you've heard me tell this story and then we'll pray, was marching across in his military campaign as he made his way across. In that military campaign, he was stopped at one particular place and, and one of his soldiers came with a young 16-year-old lad by the back nap of his shirt and he threw him at the feet of this mighty military genius, this man, Alexander the Great, as he was on this beautiful horse that he was famous for riding. And Alexander the Great looked down and then looked at his commander and said, what's the problem with this boy? The commander said, he's, 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 he's in our troops, he's, he's among our soldiers, but he's constantly stilling. He's lying, he's a thief, he's just no good. Alexander the Great on that horse was uh, seated there and he looked at the lad and he said, son, he said, what is your name? The 16-year-old boy got up, he brushed himself off and he smiled and he said, he said, commander, he said, my name is like yours, my name is Alexander. When he said that, Alexander the Great came off of that, came off of that horse, had his sword drawn, grabbed the boy by his hair, had the sword about that far from his neck, and he said, son, he said, you either change your behavior or you change your name. How many of us, if Jesus Christ were honest, would look at us and say, either change your behavior change your name. The greatest thing, I tell you how America will end the floods, fires, and all of the problems. You want to know how we'll end it? 
when we get a president who has enough gumption to be honest and simply say, we're no longer a Christian nation. The Quran's in the White House. We believe this, we believe that. We'll take in God we trust off our coins. We'll take prayer out of our schools. We'll take the Ten Commandments out of our courtrooms. We all have nothing to do with God. We are a nation that is no longer called Christian. All of the judgment will stop immediately. Because you know what God's saying to America? America, United States, you either change your behavior or you change your name. And that may be the great need in this room. You may have a name that in no way reflects the spirit and the character of Christ that is burning, that's burning within your heart right now. And if Jacob could do it, Paul could do it, Peter could do it. Martin Luther King Jr., his father Michael King could do it, then it may be that some of you need to do it. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You, Lord. And Lord, even as I've just shared, dear Lord, and and preached what I believe You've put on my heart, dear Lord, I believe there are men and women in this room that they need to think very seriously. They need to get before God, bathed in prayer. There may be some in this room, their names have been shortened, their names are nicknames, their names are in no way reflective of the spirit of a living God that is in their heart. Their their name may in no way reflect the derach, the, the Hebrew word for the bent of you in their life. And it may be today, dear Lord, that some need to get before God and say, God, help me to know. My my parents didn't pray over my name. My parents gave no thought to it. My name in no way reflects the man or the woman that I am. There may be some in this room, they say, I'm ashamed of my name. I'm ashamed of a nickname, a short name. I don't like it. I never have liked it then give us the courage and the strength guided by your Holy Spirit to change that name if that need be. Lord, I pray for young parents, expecting parents, that they would pray over that womb, that they would bathe it in prayer and say, God, give us the wisdom. You are a sovereign God. In Psalm 139, you have bent and molded this child. So God, help us to name this child a name that you would give and not us. Because that name will show ownership and authority and love. God, for all of us in this room, including the pastor, there are times when I've been ashamed to say that I'm a Christian. There are times, dear Lord, that my name has not reflected my character. And I'm sure that everyone in this room can look back in their life and see times when their behavior and their name are two different things, two different sides of a coin. Lord, maybe you would come down off that great white stallion. Maybe you would draw the sword of your word. The Bible says it's the sword. And maybe you would hold it close to our hearts and say, either change your 
behavior to change your name. God, this is a nation that is probably under judgment, if nothing else, because we have abused and mistreated this thing called Christian. We vote, dear Lord, today based on economics. We vote, vote dear Lord, based on ethics, uh, on economics rather than ethics. We're in a day, dear Lord, when Washington tells us that same-sex marriage is all right. The killing of over 50 million unborn, that's all right. That you can't pray in public schools, and now we have public schools you can't even hardly get in without going through security and being frisked or walking through some kind of metal detecting device. We have courtrooms and, and a legal system that's become a, it's become a joke, a mockery to the rest of the world. Why? Because we call ourselves a Christian nation, but we don't behave like it. God, give us men and women of integrity, men and women of character, men and women who won't just simply give in or give up, but men and women who will redeem the name Christian. And Father, we pray, and I pray, dear Lord, if there's a man or a woman, a boy or girl who here today is not a Christian who's never been saved, never given their heart and life to you. And Lord, you're speaking to them now for men that would begin to stand boldly and be the men that you've called them to be. Women and moms and, and mothers, dear Lord, those grandmothers and those women that would stand and be bold testimonies and witnesses, followers of Christ. Speak to our hearts today, dear Lord. And there's one here that needs you, dear Lord, desires you in their heart, dear Lord. You've spoken to them. May they invite you in today to be their Lord, to be the master, to be the controller of their life. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.